Our scripture from Romans this morning is long and full and rich with sermonic possibilities. And our worship this morning is short and full and rich with many other blessings, like our covenanting together and our bearing witness to the community ministry in this neighborhood and the blessing of our high school graduates. Not to mention sharing the Pentecost story of the coming of the Holy Spirit. So, we will hear most of Romans 8 this morning, proclaimed by pastors Melanie and Jonathan, in segments. And I will share some brief reflections on each segment in turn. So with no further ado, hear these words from the Apostle Paul to the Gentile believers in Rome. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For the Spirit that God has given you does not enslave you and trap you in fear. Instead, through the Spirit, God has adopted you as children, and by that Spirit we cry out, Abba. God's Spirit joins with our Spirit to declare that we are God's children. And if we are children, we are heirs as well, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, sharing in Christ's suffering and sharing in Christ's glory. Three thoughts from this bit. One, it is God who gives us the Spirit. I really connect with God as spirit, with the divine as spirit. I love, and you've probably heard me say this before, that the Hebrew word for spirit is the same as breath and as wind. For me, the spirit, God as spirit, means mystery. It means movement, presence, source of courage or comfort, that sort of deep inside place that gives me courage or comfort when I most need it. God has given us the gift of the Spirit. Two, God's Spirit, we know, because it is a Spirit that does not trap us in fear. This connects with my experience of that Spirit as the source of courage, of leaning into new things, new experiences, new actions, new learnings, new words, making mistakes, saying I'm sorry, trying again. God's spirit does not trap us in fear. And three, through the spirit, we have been adopted into God's family. Many of you know that two of my dearest friends adopted a child into their family in January. And so this metaphor of being in God's family as adoption has become more real and poignant for me in just the last months. They wanted this child with their whole beings and for years, for years, tried to move heaven and earth to be ready for the one who was coming to them. Through the Spirit, we have been adopted into God's family. And the Greek word for adoption, unlike our English word, actually has the word child in it. Or actually, actually it's son, because, you know, patriarchy. Um, 
but it's the verbified form of child or son. So through the Spirit, God has sunned you. God has daughtered you. God has childed you. God has familyed you. God has moved heaven and earth to claim you as family through the Spirit. We've been adopted into God's family. Let's hear more from Romans. Indeed, I consider the sufferings of the present to be nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. All creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the children of God. Creation was subjected to transience and futility, not of its own accord, but because of the one who subjected it, in the hope that creation itself would be freed from its slavery to corruption and would come to share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that from the beginning until now, all of creation has been groaning in one great act of giving birth. And not only creation, but all of us who possess the first fruits of the Spirit, we too groan inwardly as we wait for our bodies to be set free. Three thoughts from this next bit. Though not each segment will have three thoughts. I know it looks like I'm establishing a pattern. <clears throat> One, God's glory is revealed in us. Plural. At least in this passage and often in Paul, glory isn't revealed in you or in me individually. It's the collective. It is the body. It is the plural we where God's glory is revealed. And this is a very good word for our annual covenanting service. When we covenant to a particular way of being church and community together and in the world. When we offer our yes to this body of believers. God's glory is revealed in us, plural. Two, this glory of God is revealed in the midst of suffering, or despite suffering, certainly not turning a blind eye to the reality of suffering. Specifically, in the midst of creation's suffering, creation's transience, according to this text, futility, enslavement to corruption, or I have a particular fondness for the NRSV on this one, it's bondage to decay. I can't help but read these 2,000-year-old words and mourn how exponentially more decay our creation knows than it did then. God's glory is revealed in the midst of the suffering, or in spite of the suffering, or at least not turning a blind eye to it. Three, therefore, creation groans in labor, in labor pains, giving birth to the glory of God that will be revealed in us. And we too groan in labor as we await the freedom and the full redemption of our own bodies, our own selves, our own body. As one who has never experienced uh, labor and birth in my own body, I still really delight in this imagery 
I uh, yeah, I'm probably delight in it more because I haven't, right, Anna? Can I get a witness? I can't think of anything more powerful than a birthing person. I can't think of anyone more attuned to both strength and surrender in laboring life, new life, into this earth. Creation groans in labor, giving birth to the glory of God that will be revealed in us, and we too groan in labor. So, one PS to my three reflections in this section. I love that both adoption and birthing sit right alongside one another so closely, companioning one another in this text. There are so very many ways to be family. And this is another good word for us on our Sunday of claiming, however imperfectly, that we covenant to be God's family together. And with all who say yes along with us in this place, forever or for a time. End of postscript. Let's go back to Romans. In hope we were saved. But hope is not hope if its object is seen. Why does one hope for what one sees? And hoping for what we cannot see means awaiting it with patient endurance. The Spirit, too, comes to help us in our weakness. But we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit expresses our plea with groanings too deep for words. And God, who knows everything in our hearts, knows perfectly well what the Spirit is saying, because her intercessions for God's holy people are made according to the mind of God. For this beloved bit, I wish to simply share these words again from the NRSV this time. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. A particularly good word for our graduate celebration Sunday. This is one of those heart song passages for me. It's partly why I had to say it in NRSV because those are the words that are on my heart. The spirit interceding on my behalf with sighs too deep for words is something that has given me comfort for most of my life, certainly most of my adult life. And it is a good blessing to send with our graduates. This has been a deeply comforting companion for my life. So graduates and all, may you depart from this place knowing that God's spirit goes with you. And when you don't know how to pray, the spirit will pray on your behalf with sighs too deep for words. Let's hear from Romans. We know that God makes everything work together for the good of those who love God and have been called according to God's purpose. They are the ones God chose long ago, predestined to share the image of the only begotten in order that Christ might be the firstborn of many. Those God predestined have likewise been called. Those God called have also been justified, and those God justified have in turn been glorified. 
what should be our response? Simply this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Since God did not spare the only begotten, but gave Christ up for the sake of us all, we may be certain, after such a gift, that God will freely give us everything. Who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones? God is the one who justifies. Who has the power to condemn? Only Jesus Christ, who died, or rather, was raised, and who now intercedes for us. I forgot my PS on the last section. It's going to be helpful now. For all those times when I find myself struggling with Paul, how good it is for me to remember that at least one of my heart song passages comes from Paul. That was the last bit. Now, this bit. Here comes the familiar struggle with Paul, immediately on the heels of that most gorgeous promise of the Spirit, sighing deeper than words. Predestination. Everything working for good for the God lovers. The us and them of if God is for us, who can be against us? One, two, three, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> At least not the traditional ways of understanding these verses and these concepts. So, resisting the urge to just throw up my hands and say, Paul, I offer two brief redemptive words. One, one of the mentions of predestination in this little section, Paul writes that we are predestined to be conformed, to share the image of the only begotten, Jesus, the Christ, the incarnate word, the fully human one in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So if it's not limited to a select group, how we typically think of predestination, but all are predestined to share the image of Christly love and justice and peace, well then, yeah, I can offer a wholehearted yes. A second redemptive word. That us, that God is for, in the formulation, if God is for us, who can be against us? That us is the biggest us of them all. No one and nothing is outside of that us. So if God is for the infinitely huge and the completely comprehensive us, who can be against us? Well, yeah, in that case, there's no one left to be against us. Eh? <laughs> because God is for all of us. No exceptions. Let's hear from Romans. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble, calamity, persecution, hunger, nakedness, danger, violence? As scripture says, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We're looked upon as sheep to be slaughtered. Yet in all this we are more than conquerors because of God who has loved us. But I am certain that neither death nor life nor an neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither heights nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that comes to us in Christ Jesus, our Savior. 
And now we're back to some heart song words from Paul. He's capable of not just doing it once, but at least twice. I think this is another particularly good word for sending our graduates. And not because of this next thing I'm going to say, but these are some of the most frequently recited verses at funerals. <laughs> and for good reason. It is deeply comforting in its bold proclamation that nothing at all can separate us from the love of God. Not a thing, not one thing, no thing, nothing whatsoever at all. We bury our dead believing it, or at least proclaiming it and trying to believe it. What if we lived believing it? What if absolutely nothing could separate us from God's love? So graduates and all. In general, I think I'm less certain about a lot of things than Paul is. Paul is good friends with certainty. But in this case, I too, like Paul, am certain that nothing at all will be able to separate you from the love of God. Thanks be to God. I have said a wee bit about a lot of things. And along with pastors Melanie and Jonathan, thank you, taken us on a whirlwind tour of most of Romans 8. I pray that somehow, mysteriously, in the wind of that whirlwind, the holy wind, in the breath that allowed these words to be heard, and in the breath that creates spaces between the words, in the wind, in the breath, I pray that God's spirit has somehow mysteriously moved, danced, sighed in our midst. And I pray that God's wind, breath, spirit will now move, dance, and sigh in our covenanting together. As we prepare for that, let's sing. From our blue hymnals, number 411, I bind my heart this tide. <laughs> 